0: Hello and welcome to the Rebooted Open Fire Podcast, sponsored by Franken Risk Management Services, a new series of podcasts focusing on the fire safety industry and tackling the current issues facing responsible persons in the commercial and residential sectors. My name's Dave Calvert and my co-presenter is Mr. Tom Gilbertio. Hello, Tom. How are you, Davos? I'm very good. What
1: have you been doing this week, Dave? Well, <laughs> to to yeah. I went to Thailand.
0: I went to, I want to say Phuket. 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 I went to Phuket. Phuket. Yeah. Really? And, uh, yep, the land of um, palm trees. Yep, And, uh, yeah, had a fabulous time with uh, my girlfriend, and we just forgot about work for a little while.
1: Did you answer any emails while you were away?
0: Didn't even look at my phone. Wow. I know. I didn't I know. know you had that in you. But... Um, Back in the country now, and uh, disappointed to see the uh, UK economy hasn't collapsed whilst I've been away. Of course, we left uh, the European Union while you were away. Indeed,
2: <laughs> indeed you did. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, okay, who, without introducing just yet, who what are we going to be talking about today, Tom?
1: So, we're going to talk about um, a very emotive subject in fire safety, and one that no one's ever thought about talking about, which is passive fire protection, okay. of course. Um, Topical. And- based on who's in the room, I would imagine we're going to talk about fire doors again because we've got Danny here and we've got um, Noel Rowan from the ASFP.
0: Okay, before we uh, introduce our guests today then, if we could just go over to Lucy. And this week, I believe she's reporting live from London, as she told us last week. Lucy, is anything going on in the fire safety world we need to know about?
3: So they've carried out a review of the UK standard for testing refrigerators. And basically, the test involves them having to pass a glow wire test to assess their fire resistance, which was found to not replicate a house
2: fire.
0: Okay, Can I just stop you there, Lucy? So last week, one of your news items seemed relatively poorly researched. (laughs) Uh, You were telling us how um, in um, some state in the United States, to stop wildfires... California. California. They were cutting um, the electricity to various towns to stop fires in the woods. Have you managed to find out the logic and why they're doing that for us?
3: No, but worryingly, the producer knew the answer.
0: Well, our, our producer? Yes. Our producer. Okay, I can't see... Who's Ant. now
1: been promoted to head of
0: news. I can't see it <laughs> from where I'm sitting. However, Anthony, can you hear me? I can, yeah. Can you hear me? Anthony, can you help Lucy with her research? <laughs> I can. So PG&E, the utility client over in uh, California, have shut off the power due to strong winds paired with the hot weather because the trees fall into the power lines and start a fire so what i most like go. about that is that our the, the least fire safety qualified person in the building yes well you say that he's producer, actually charged fire engineer uh, actually yeah he, he's actually um, taught us all something we didn't know and yeah. i think that's fantastic he it got out very the fire engineering, out. engineering
1: game because pi insurance has gone up apparently
0: to clarify uh producer isn't the same anthony who was the fire <laughs> engineer anthony on last week it's an Indeed. entirely different anthony um, Wonderful. Any more least, news? Sorry, go back any to more news. the hey, back studio. To, back to our, uh, Lucy in London.
3: If we just have one more. So consultations are taking place on the use of photoluminescent signage instead of emergency lighting within residential blocks.
1: Interesting. Needs to get Jim Creek back in.
0: Well, I think um, next our uh, guest next week might have uh, an interesting... He might have a point to make. Point to make. Who's our guest next week? Andy, Andy Cunningham. Andy Cunningham. Okay, we'll ask him about that. Thank you very much, Lucy. We will see you again next week. Thanks, Lucy. Is Lucy's job under threat now?
1: L- Lucy's lost her job.
0: Okay, Tom, would you kindly um, introduce our guests for this week?
1: Uh, yes. So, I'm, I won't... I'll let you introduce... Um, I'll let you introduce Danny <clears throat> because he's here all the time. I mean, do
0: we even need to introduce? So, Danny, Danny White, a uh, long-time Danny friend, friend of the show um, from Series One. Yep. Uh, Danny White of Fidor Consultants, no, Fyder Compliance <laughs> Consultants. Yes. Um, here to uh, give us the benefit of his experience and um, advice.
1: And his favourite song, of course, is "Come On Baby Like My Fire" by the Doors. Of course, yeah, that is his favorite song.
0: Danny is looking um, seriously nonplussed about that, absolutely.
1: A... But I, I think it needs to be a theme tune, anyway. Um, and we've also got Narl Rowan, um, who has for the last 20 years been working with so he's um, worked at Exova Warrington Fire as a strategic projects manager, um, and then joined the ASFP nine years ago. Um, is that right?
2: Yes, that's wow, right. Wow,
1: nine years ago. And was a technical officer. Then he was the chief operating officer. And he's now the chief executive officer. So he gets a special office. I'd imagine there's a leather no. desk involved. No.
3: no. No. Oh, that's
0: a shame. It's no. well, got to be no, a view. We've got to have a good view.
1: Absolutely. But we have got Mr. Passive Fire Protection in the room. And we've got Mr. Fire Doors in the room. It doesn't get better than that, right? Okay, let's hit them
2: with some good questions then, Tom.
1: Okay, so who on earth are the ASFP? Can you tell me a little bit about their role now?
2: Uh, The ASFP, that's the Association for Specialist Fire Protection, it's a trade association of manufacturers and installers of passive fire products like uh, fire doors and uh, fire stopping and ducts and dampers and so on.
1: That's exactly what I thought it was going (coughs) to be.
2: I can I can elaborate a bit more if you would yeah like. Please, yeah. Uh, we we produce a number of publications in relation to pacifier protection products. Uh, we run seminars. We meet with government. We support BSI. And our mission, our vision is basically we want to see well-designed, well-specified, and well-installed pacifier protection to protect life and to protect property.
0: Do you see that the role of the um, ASFP has? Um broadened or developed in the in the shadow of of grenfell has as the the focus changed slightly
2: not the focus hasn't changed much the activity has certainly increased because all of a sudden people are asking questions about the passive fire protection they're buying or installing or or have concerns about they're asking the questions that they should have asked long before Grenfell, but before it was kind of, oh, well, it's out of sight, it's out of mind, and other, you know, fire doesn't happen to me. And and, and most buildings, of course, most fire protection, whether they're active or passive, is actually redundant because most buildings don't catch fire. It's not like we're roofers or something, where, you know, it rains quite a lot in the UK. So if you do a bad job, you get found out really early. With fire protection, you don't get found out until something awful happens, and something awful happened two years ago.
0: Danny, would you echo sort of Niall's um, uh, approach there that um, since, obviously, the last couple of years, would you say to a certain extent it's being treated more seriously than it was before from a fire door perspective? Yes,
4: it's being treated more seriously with regard to the, the testing and certification. But the thing which is still missing is the lack of understanding of installations, and it's a fire stopping around the door which is, you know... It needs to be done properly. And people still haven't really got a hang on it.
0: Can you it, give us an example of what we when you say that fire stopping around the door? <clears> what's all the common issues or problems that you're
4: Um, they're not using the correct materials. Sometimes they're not using any materials. So you go and take off the architraves, both sides, and you can see into the living room. Um There's nothing there. But, again, it's an issue because when, you know, the traditional clerk of works would go around and inspect, he's expecting, (coughs) does it look nice, as opposed to is it functional? And, you know, as I said previously, that I think architraves are there to hide bad workmanship, um, and it's proving to be the case.
2: We we find that uh, quite often behind architraves you'll find cement bags Mm-hmm. or the little blue overshoes that you wear when you're going to swing bars baths and stuff, they're stuffed in as use, anything. So
0: pretty much go. anything you can tans, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Instead of the crap materials.
2: And there's
4: still an abundance of pink foam out there, and people don't understand how to use pink foam, and just think, oh, if I squirt a bit in the hole.
1: I actually had that very question yesterday about, well, what's wrong with five foam? Why don't we just use that everywhere? It's got four hours Ooh, can you tell? can you tell... <laughs>
0: that, that, I mean... Um, from a layman's point of view then, what is bad about pink foam?
2: Right, uh, it's quite straightforward really. Uh, pink foam, as we call it, is polyisocyanurate foam. It's normally a single packet from an aerosol. It burns, it's a simple reason. Well, how come it's got four hours on the tin, which is what some of it has? Well, they use it as a very narrow but deep joint. So the fire has a long way to travel to get through, and it's a very narrow joint. And used in those configurations, you can get some good fire performances in. But people just say, oh, it's got four hours on the tin. I'll use it to seal this opening, which is 600 millimeters by 600 millimeters, full of cables and pipes. Yep. And then it will last a few minutes. And we know this because we did a series of tests at... Um, Warrington Fire about three years ago with cables and pipes and we sealed them with pink foam and we sealed them with proper stuff. And the the pink foam burnt through between seven and nine minutes. It's supposed to provide... So so
0: really what we're saying is the devil is in the detail. People are reading the headline of what the the, the substance is for, but not actually reading the detail of the circumstances when you should use it. It,
2: It's more than the devil's in the detail. They're not looking for the detail, because if they look for the detail, they'll find out the product doesn't do what they want it to do. So they just say four hours on the tin, outside, out of mind. It's kind of semi-deliberate, Ignorance, as it were, it's an attitude that 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 will. And it's changing now because people. What happened at Grimfall and at Lackenlow House before that? The people are questioning. Uh, uh, they need to be bulletproof. They need to be fireproof. To use a dreadful pun,
4: <clears throat> I think. Also, from the point of view that when people use petfane, <coughs> they don't actually read the instructions of the installation for the door manufacturer, yeah. which says you need to cap it into mastic. So yes,
1: yeah, so it's a two-part system.
4: Yeah. And, and so, you know, people are just squirting things in, there's a cost there. But what they don't realise is back to, well, it's cheaper to do that, but if you look at it, it's actually more expensive. Yeah. Because the more expensive product you didn't go with in the first place.
1: You need it, two of them.
4: You need two of them. Yeah. So your cheaper product is now your cheaper product plus the most expensive one. So the most expensive one becomes your cheaper one.
1: Yeah, so it's false economies. Is, um, do you think the new, inverted commas, blue foam is the next pink foam waiting to cause havoc in our built environment?
4: I'd say the difference is that a lot of door manufacturers are are testing their door sets with primary test evidence using the blue foam. foam, So it's not as though they're just going, oh, can I have some pink stuff? There is some data behind it.
0: So just to sort of clarify for the listener, um, can can we say what the, the, the concerns regarding the blue foam is, if any? From my perspective, it's just misapplication
1: again. I mean, obviously, if you're using it for the purpose it's been designed and using it with a door set that's been tested with that product, then you've got... Good accountability and traceability of the products that you're using together as a system, but the the risk is that it comes in a can, it's a foam and it expands, and ultimately it's going to be used in the same way that pink foams used, right? Well, that's in my, that's my concern.
0: So, think, so are yeah. we ultimately pointing towards a lack of competency of installers of these products
2: rather than the products themselves? Is it the people using them, Niall? Partly, yes. I mean. I was saying if you you know if any of you guys get bored with a job you can always be a fire stopper if you've got a white van a mastic gun and a bread knife you're a fire stopper there are no requirements for those who install passive fire protection to have any qualifications whatsoever and we do allow an un an unqualified electrician or plumber to work on your building no, but but the people installing life safety systems like fire doors. There's no qualifications of all. There's no requirement to have them. Now, lots of industry associations are developing stuff, but you know there's not been the push to take it up. Now, with the workers being under, undergone from the Competency Council set up in the wake of the Judith Hackett report, uh, all the players in, in the area of fire safety from architects and designers right through to the building safety managers. There's a series of competencies and qualifications and skills and requirements will be implemented. That's going to come. It's going to take some time. So, so
0: from the, the position of the ASFP, um, and without n- naming specific companies, but what, what should, um, if somebody wants to get some, a fire firestopper in, in simple terms, what should they be looking for? What accreditation or what, what should they really be, um, what questions should they be
2: asking well, one of the, certainly it's it's a requirement of our members <clears throat> that if you're installing passive fire protection, you have to have third-party certification for the installation. That means that a third-party certification body, i have try and remember them all, BRE, UL, Warrington, BM Trader, FM, IFC, IFC right, I think I've got six, I think yeah. that's all of them, these people, some of them offer installer accreditation, some don't. They will go and look at the manufacturer, check their records, or the um, installer, check their records, check their staff are competent, check their qualifications, audit their procedures, and look at some of their work on site or do inspections. So, by that means, by using a third party certificated contractor, you've got a much better guarantee of getting better quality installation.
4: I, th- I think also from you have got the various schemes out there, but there's no consistency in the schemes. So it would be nice if the government said, OK, if you want a certification scheme, you can do, but you must cover X, Y and Z. So then people know what they do, because I know that I'm part of the BM trial to Q mark scheme for installations, but the regulations for that are completely different to fire us. Yeah. Why is that so?
1: And the same thing applies to fire risk assessing. And yes. you look at the FRAC scheme versus BAFE SP205. And then ultimately, I mean, as, as someone who, who used to run a business that went through the process of getting third-party certification if you're a sensible human being you take both of those schemes, you look at them side by side and say which one creates me the most commercial problem, right? That's the sensible decision to make as a business but then if you want quality product and that's your viewpoint, then you've got to look at the two schemes and say which is the most robust so I think you will find that there will be situations and to use fire risk assessing as a good example if you go on the FRAC scheme as a company, you can only use FRAC certificated individuals and that includes your supply chain and under Safe SP two hundred and five. You can use anyone you want as long as you think they're competent.
2: Well, this is this is a very good point you you've you mentioned that that people are aware that if you buy, and this is quite a good example, an MOT, you get, largely get the same. It's the same series of, of tests yep. that they do on the car wherever you go. It's the same qualification. If you buy a fire test from all those bodies that I mentioned earlier, Warrington, BRE, etc., all those six bodies. They all have fire testing laboratories associated with it. The fire test that they do is the same. But when you buy a certification of them, it, the, the offerings are completely different. So people, we say third-party certification, and we support that, but they are, as, as, as Tom's just mentioned, they are all, they're all quite different. The government has already looked at the third-party products certification schemes for fire doors and come up with a set of harmonised criteria that they want the certification bodies to work to. This is for fire door product certification. And they're going to do the same for installer certification.
0: I I don't see, um, from an outsider's point of view, how you can um, appoint, um, for example, a fire-stopping contractor who's not got both... um, installation accreditation and product accreditation as a housing provider for example sitting here listening to this is there should they be looking for um a, a third party accreditation provider BAFE or whoever that provides both of those or is there is there circumstances where well, actually they're one be or the looking
2: other? for they don't want the certification body what they want is the what the certification body certificates, i.e. an installer or a manufacturer. And, 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 and some, some of the, the certification bodies do... The scope of which they cover in terms of product and installer certification varies quite a, quite a lot. I mean, so the, the base level, we say, is use third-party certificated products Whoever, and also use third-party certificated installer, And why it doesn't happen, your introduction, your question, is because of the culture, of the race to the bottom of the yep. construction industry you had for 30 years. Do it cheaper, multiple subcontract it. And as you multiple subcontract down the chain, the price gets less and less. I mean, they have these, some of these companies have a business model, which is do it as cheaply as possible. They get caught one time out of 10. And when they get caught, they make it remedial time. But they've made their money on the 9 out of 10, 10 jobs.
1: I mean, How is this... so? I mean, obviously, would you say that's my gut feeling is that's not necessarily around the third party certificated fire stopping contractor market? In that, I mean, you know, the problem is we get into that position where if we call for, I mean, and, and to use Jonathan O'Neill as a great example, uh, who's who those of you listening won't necessarily know is the chief executive of the fire protection association, he's currently saying, you know, as a as a um, a statutory defense to breaking the fire safety order, you you as a responsible person could say, well, I used a third-party certificate contractor, therefore that's my defense, right? If they did the work badly, that's their problem. I use a third-party certificate contractor. It definitely isn't my problem. I couldn't have done more, right? So that's that sort of becomes the issue. Now, as someone who, who works around third-party certificate contractors, you as the RP can do a hell of a lot more than just employ someone who's third-party certificated. And a lot of people say, and thinking about social housing organisations, for example, we're gonna, we've are gonna we got £50 million pounds worth of fire stopping we need to install across our portfolio. And I know that to be the fact with one of the major G15 at the moment. And we're going to subcontract that out and our, our process will be use a third-party certificated fire stopping contractor. Because as long as we do, they'll use the right product and that gives me loads of assurance that they're good. Is that the case, Niall?
2: That is is being the position, and that is, uh, that is. if we had full confidence, that would be there. But I, I feel if to do belt and braces, you need to have some form of independent inspection as well. And that's where I'm After getting involved fact, in, right? in quite a lot. Well, where... the thing is, uh, 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 we're having, in the ASFP, we have a certification task group with all these organisations. Yeah. And... We're trying to raise the percentage of inspection that they do as part of the certification. Yes. And they're saying we're certification bodies, we're not inspection bodies. Absolutely. Uh, and therefore, we're doing an audit. So, they're only doing part of the job, as it were. The other part is inspection. And what we're working as ASFP to do is develop a third-party inspection set of criteria that, that bodies can Well, confused. there needs
1: to be a scheme, right?
2: Exactly. That's exactly where we're moving. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah, and, and currently... There isn't. The only scheme really you could justify as a third-party certification scheme for inspection is the ISO standard for people who undertake inspections, but that's not that's not about fire-stopping inspections. That's about any sort of inspection at all. I'm an approved inspector. You've then got to test my competency around inspecting the thing I'm inspecting. So there is no criteria. So you then become, what do I do? Do I use a third-party certificate fire-stopping contractor to do my inspections? And then that potentially creates a conflict of interest. It's It's very difficult, isn't it? So I think that's really positive. And and to add to
2: that, the biggest problem is there are not enough people in the industry who are available? I'm going to. Say, well, I won't use the word qualified, but just not enough people who know what they're doing to test and inspect it. All the certification bodies have got huge recruitment problems. Yeah, they just they just aren't the people there. I think right. I'm
4: quite lucky from the point of view that a lot of my clients are calling me in to say, okay, I'm part of the BMQ Mark. I've done the schemes. Can I ensure that the people who're saying they're BMQ Mark are actually doing yeah. it in accordance with it? Because it's not just the installation; it's all the documentation that goes with it to prove that the people doing it have been trained, have yeah. got the relevant uh, qualifications and things like that. And you know, there's we would like to think that there be very, very few failures when we yeah. do inspections, but, but we're, looking, we're looking at, you know, 50% plus failures.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I suppose the way you get around it is you say, well, I'm a Q Mark certificated installer, but I don't do installs, right? So that's how yeah. you get around the. It, yeah. For, for
4: me, it's quite black and white because if, if I fail a door, I'm not going to put it right.
1: Yeah. I you have no can't best, be the one that puts it right.
4: I'm then. not in the vested interest of doing it. I'd employ Dave to put it right.
1: Yeah. Um, and we've already, talked, we've already done a podcast about how we set up our own third-party-certificated fire door company, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, we get yeah. we get the shed for the fire doors and we get the white van for the uh, fire doors. Yeah, exactly. Door I've used the saw before,
1: so you've got skill on <laughs> <and> the tools.
0: <laughs> and you've still got the shed.
1: I've still got the shed. Yeah. Absolutely. I think Dave provided the shed, actually. I was the skill on the tools, which is ridiculous. Yeah, I could do a test Because i do a saw shed. my own thumb I could, off. I
0: could knock us out the shed. Yeah. Um, now,
1: why do you think passive fire protection is perceived to be such a dark art?
2: Yeah, it's as simple, really. It's as simple as it's not simple. There are two basic elements to passive fire protection structural fire protection, making sure the thing doesn't fall down by protecting the structural elements, and compartmentation, st- keeping fire in a box, basically. Yeah. Fire doors apart, compartmentation, fire stopping is, fire ducts, and fire dampers. Why it's perceived to be a dark art is you've got all these different elements. Yeah, and then you've got all the combinations and permutations of different substrates and different types. I mean, where we have a, a book called the Red Book on fire stopping. Yep. and it, it has thirty-five different types of fire stopping in it because that's what there is in the market. Yeah, so there's just it's it's not it, there's just a lot of it. And it, yeah. you know, it's not it rocket. In many cases, it's just literally you've got fire on one side, you use materials and products to keep fire on that side and prevent it yeah. from getting through to the other side.
1: And it's the competency amazing. to specify and install each one of those thirty-five is different.
2: Oh yeah, I mean we got we got members who are experts in structural steelwork protection, and you show them a collar, a pipe collar, and I they know what didn't it is. know what it was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's hugely diverse. I mean, some I'm jealous of the of the BWF and the fire door because you've got an element of passive fire protection that you can reach, is visible, and you can inspect. Yeah. Half our stuff is above a suspended ceiling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Or behind it, pipes, or yeah. behind
2: a yeah. wall, or all behind. sorts. Yeah. Where it's all hidden away. So, now, so what is the F,
0: uh, ASFP doing to improve knowledge and understanding of PFP throughout the built environment? Sort of going forward, what's the sort of um, strategy going forward to kind of address these? Well, the, the main
2: thing, the reason we came into being was to, in 1976, God forbid, is to uh, prevent misuse of products. In, in that case, it was we were just nothing but structural steelwork. That's all it yeah. was. It's the association of structural fire protection manufacturers and contractors um, so it was all about structural steer, structural steel and we produced a book called the yellow book the ASFB yellow book and we and these are books which tell you everything about how they work what fire tests to use all about the certification all about the regulations that pertain to them all the different types the yellow book is now in its fifth edition Base documents about 130 pages, and there's like 200 other pages, and then we expanded and we did a red book for fire stopping, and an orange book for reaction to fire, and a blue book for fire ducks, and a purple book for petitions and so on, so on. So we have a load of publications like that. We have code of practice on the installation of these products. These are all available from the website. Um, so the main thing we used to do is was was was. was um, providing publications are available to the general public and mainly, but not to general public, mainly to fire safety engineers. But the other thing we do is we do a lot of seminars and webinars and stuff like that. We have a seminar coming up at Aviva on the 23rd of October um, where we will, we will talk to the whole gamut from uh, RPs down to fire risk assessors to building owners to local authority, building control officers, and educate them about passive fire protection.
1: So I've got another question. So when I think about... So um, Danny's point about harmonisation of schemes, right? As in different schemes have different things, right? The the trade organisation for... And and again, just to use something that I have worked with for many a year. Fortunately, I don't have to touch it anymore because it's very stressful. But third-party certification of fire risk assessments are... Delivered either by BAFE or FireS or IFC, which is what you talked about. Now, BAFE, unlike um, uh, Warrington and IFC in that case, are the inverted commas keepers of the scrolls or the like the industry in, in a way. Of their scheme? Yes, of their scheme. You
2: but know, they are but one of several. Do you survivors. think
1: that the Association of Specialist Fire Protection need to create a scheme that may be? is the standard that the ASFPs suggest is the way forward that then someone could get a UCAS-accredited body to certify well, them That against. is
2: what we're looking at. We're okay. looking at doing that in our, in our certification task group. I mean, I just, picked up your point about um, fire risk assessors, the they working group four of the far uh, the competency steering group is on fire risk assessors, and they're looking to produce a national qualification for fire risk assessors which would be operated so, by all of them so they should yeah
1: yeah so yeah, they should yeah. and in a way this is about trying to they've talked about tiering competency within fire risk assessing in particular yes. um, to kind of get ultimately which which we've been talking about for absolutely yonks is about being able to bring someone in as a complete layman and take them through a route sorry a lay person of course we'll talk to HR Dave um, and and being able to bring them in at the start, take them through a process to then turn them into a competent fire risk assessor for certain sorts of buildings. And then through that, we develop them till they can become competent to do all sorts um, or understand that what, I mean, the critical thing about competency, right, is understanding when your competency ends. That's the real art of competency is knowing at what point I say, I'm not
2: competent and, to and do And they have the ethics to know That's or understand it. that when they realise their competency's ended, they don't just wing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think the industry has done that in all facets, from passive fire protection, to yeah, yeah. door installation, to emergency lighting installation, to alarms. You know, there was someone on LinkedIn yesterday saying, for example, am I allowed to paint over alarm cables and I'm a fire alarm engineer? And you think... Well, you either know or you don't, and if you don't know, LinkedIn ain't the place to go and find yeah, out, right? Yeah,
2: some of the they can be some of the worst defenders and knocking yeah, yeah, holes yeah. and things as well. But they're the, the first people
1: to call themselves fire engineers as well, which is always alarming.
2: Uh-huh. 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 I- I See the pub? I think the did there.
1: Yeah, exactly. We do these all day now.
4: Yeah. The other issue I'm coming up with is, um, and it's got nothing to do with fire doors, but you just when you go around, is sprinklers, and a lot yeah. of the local authorities are employing sprinkler companies to go in and put sprinklers into the rooms, and they say fire stop. It's not our problem. Someone get someone else to do it, and you've got great big holes going into the rooms. Well, right?
2: and, yeah. and also there's the issue with um, compatibility of fast stopping materials with CPBC pipes.
1: Yeah, mm. they degrade. Don't which they?
2: is, which is, you know, and, and funny enough, we we had a meeting with uh, under the auspices of the Fire Sector Federation, which is an umbrella organisation for fire. body we had a meeting with BAFSA which is Automatic Fire Sprinkler Association, and Residential Sprinklers Association, to sort the problem out. But kind of, you got this issue that as you say they either don't fast stop them because that's not yep. part of their job and it's a fire stopper comes along or they fire stop and then you get an escape of water due to compatibility but
4: I think this is also another issue which links to procurement because people think sprinklers are sprinklers and that one's a lot cheaper than that one so we'll put the cheap one in not realising that you're not getting what you're paid if you pay
2: for if you look at sprinkler industry if you look traditional sprinkler industry with you know brick shithouse engineering steel pipes that were specified by the insurers and all third-party-certificated contractors and installers. You know, it's a good industry. Yeah. Now they've got the residential market where you've got plumbers becoming sprinkler engineers. So it's a bit more like they have now yeah. getting the problems that we're... Because it's had, just putting in,
1: water into the building, right? They're
2: getting the problems that we had in the passive industry of unskilled yeah. labour and not problems. And they're seeing the same yes. problems as we've had. That with poor installation. And the
1: difference, of course, is that the old days where that became the the situation was was the insurance market were driving sprinklers, in the domestic market. The RPs are driving it because of the perceived risk associated with life in high rise buildings, rather than the real risk. And as a result of that, with no insurance driver, all the all the all the lessons learned disappear about the installation.
2: I think it's, it's 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 because it's because it's a more of a commodity product. But I mean, they are making strident efforts. I mean, you know, the Sprinkler associations are making good efforts, but not everybody is a member of the Sprinkler association. This is the problem. Just as not everybody's a member of the ASFP in the passive side. I think it's you know you should be looking at the,
4: the the companies who are part of bodies and are accountable to somebody, as opposed to you know we've got our fido manufacturing set up. Should we start doing sprinklers? What's to stop us?
1: Well, it's beca- yeah, and that this is the thing. This is where this is where growth industry and fire safety breeds incompetence because we're in that situation that you mentioned earlier, where we have got too many people needing a lot of stuff yesterday, no capacity in the industry. Those that are really really competent are already engaged. Those that are at the bottom end of the market in terms of their competence have got no work. And guess who goes and gets the work? It's going to be the people who've got the time. And the people at the moment who've got the time generally aren't the people you want to work on your project. The difference is that you don't know you don't want them yet and you've gone and appointed them on a million quids worth of work and then they set up shop, do the job, disappear. And and that's the way life is moving. Um, I I know we're getting towards the end of the... uh, the 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 podcast, Dave, but I just wanted to ask one more question. Um and go on then, Tom. Well if I'm allowed to, you I, can. I do at least I feel like I own fifty percent of the amount of time in this room. Um <laughs> however
0: you occupy 70%. However I, I, I
1: do occupy 70%. <laughs> when, when we get to emotive subjects I talk 70%. Um so the the thing I I, I struggle with is how RPs assure themselves that the products they're using have been appropriately verified and tested. And it's very easy, I think, as an RP to just say it's got to be a certified product, but yet we still live in the environment where engineering assessments of products can be undertaken, field of application can be undertaken by competent people. Where where does the ASFP sit? Doors is, I think, easier, because I think we're all in a position where we'd agree that third-party certificated is the way forward, but with products, there are a lot of products out there that haven't been tested, but they have been approved via engineering assessment or other. Where do where do you well, sit on that spectrum? The, the,
2: the whole assessment, engineering assessment, is it's a very interesting um, area. I mean, the simple answer is you can't test everything. There are not enough test laboratories no, in the right. world to do all the testing. Uh, and there were people saying, oh, we're going to ban assessments. Uh, and I've said, you just can't do that. No. You know, it's just not on. There are, you know, if you have a far door, for example, and it's a good example of a fire door, you think of a far door. It's a single action, single leaf door. Well, what about a pair? Is it pivot hung? Is it single action or double action? Is it hung on hinges? Does it have glazing? Does it have over panels, transomed over panels, side panels? And the combinations and permutations are, are, are huge. Um, so in some respects, if you've got something that's assessed by a competent body, like uh, a third-party body like Warrington or BRE or UL or IFC or FM, trying to remember them all again, then, then that's the issue. We, we, we subscribe because, indeed, we had an input into the Passive Fire Protection Guide to Undertaking Assessments in Lua Test, which is a code of practice for assessors. It's about 20 pages. I actually wrote the original one, and it defines the level of assessor what they can assess. It defines a procedure for undertaking assessment. It defines the, the type of test evidence you can use to do an assessment. And there's a declaration by the manufacturer at the end of it. It's quite a rigorous, rigorous undertaking. If you do that, that's, that's that will be pretty good because, that will be the, first of all, the product has to be tested because the assessment is based on test. Um, uh, and secondly, there are, qualifi- there are requirements on those who are undertaking the assessment and on the level of complexity and, and so on.
1: Wonderful.
2: In fact, that document has just been referenced in the latest clarification review of ADB that came out recently. Yeah.
0: Gentlemen, time has beaten us this week. Oh. We are done. I'm not I'm not
1: surprised. We always get talking when it comes to passive, don't we? We do. We like a bit passive. We do like a bit of <laughs> passive aggression normally. Um Have we got time for our quiz this week? We've got to have time for the... Why don't we do a shortened 60-second quiz?
0: Okay, no. Every week we do a 90-second quiz. Oh, yeah. General knowledge. um, Would you like to take part or you have the the opportunity... To defer to to, Danny. To defer to Danny, who is generally up for
2: for anything. Danny, what should I do? Should I take it or should I... I think you should take it. I should take it. I have been warned that it is... A bit interesting, a bit obscure, but anyway, go ahead. Okay. Right.
1: It's only obscure if you don't live in Alabama.
0: Yeah, most of the questions are based on state law in America. In, in
1: South America, <laughs> the southern part of Northern America. Just ah,
4: there. I've got a problem with that then. Oh. Because now you're telling people what to research when they come on here. So well, they've got yeah. more of a chance of going to the top no, of the leaderboard. Can't
0: you edit that out? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, we'll, we will just, we'll just change it to Albania. Perhaps, <laughs> okay, we'll start off with a question... On uh, your
1: <laughs> get set, 60 seconds, go.
0: It is against the law to play what on Sundays in Albania? Uh, the Loot. Uh, Dominoes. Good answer, I like this. In Arkansas, Arkansas, it's illegal to ride a horse at night without what? A light. We'll give you that, Tail lights. Wonderful. In Ventura County, California, who or what can't have sex without a permit? Hedgehogs. I was Nearly say priests. <laughs> no, Danny was closer. Cats and dogs. <laughs> it's Kansas. In Kansas, it's illegal to eat cherry pie with what? Illegal to eat cherry pie with what? Marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> That's ice cream. On Sunday in Missouri, it's illegal for anyone to play what? What game? What playground game? Must a
2: uh, playground game? Hopscotch. 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 We'll give you that. Because it was hopscotch. <laughs> it's Silver- playground name I know, <laughs> a playground game I know.
0: I, I, like that. I sounded generous with that. In Silverwood, Michigan, it's against the law to kill what using your bare hands to impress a girl? Chickens. A, a bear. Iowa state law prohibits charging admission to see what? Dave. Uh. bears eating uh, cherry pie and ice cream (laughs) do you know what that's an excellent guess is actually one armed piano players
1: last question
0: (laughs) it's specifically illegal to throw what in the street in Trenton New Jersey you're not going to get this no a bad pickle (laughs) (laughs) wonderful how many points was that that
1: was a grand total of two Two, so that's a joint second place. It is joint second place.
0: Uh the leader being two and a half? Yes. Excellent. He's on two and a half, joint second with two. No, well done. Ever so much for coming in. That's right. Um it's a pleasure to meet you. And um
2: if people want to know more about the ASFP, who, who should they get in touch with? They can get in touch with me or get in touch with the office. Uh certainly if you just uh, either Google ASFP or it's ASFP.org.uk, um they can get in touch with us. We you know we have um A wealth of information and we can help people with respect to passive fire protection.
4: Wonderful. And Danny? Yes. Go through the open fire
0: podcast.
2: Okay. Okay. And if you want to contact us, you want to talk to Danny. I I
0: should have (laughs) me, Danny or Tom, you can contact us at Dave and Tom at openfirepodcast.com and we'll we love it we love a we love a complaint don't we Tom
1: we all complaints are excellent we yes. also like questions and if you want to nominate yourself to come on
0: if you'd like um, to come on join great. us please Please get in touch wonderful who have we got on next week uh, we've got Andy Cunningham next week talking about really clever lights okay fantastic okay thanks gentlemen that is us out of here for this week take care
3: The views expressed on this podcast are those of the persons appearing in the podcast and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Frankham or any of its officials. The appearance of guests on or the mention of third-party information, products or services or organizations within the podcast does not imply any approval, recommendation, certification or endorsement of them or of any entity they represent. Our podcasts are provided for general information only and should not be treated as substitute for professional advice or supervision from an appropriate property or built asset professional. Whilst all attempts are made to present accurate information, it may not be appropriate for your specific circumstances and the information presented in the podcast may become outdated over time. Frankham Consultancy Group and its subsidiaries here in Frankham make no warranty, guarantee or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in the Open Fire podcasts. Any reliance on the information provided is at your own risk. Frankham does not assume any liability for the use of, reference to or reliance on the podcast or the information presented within.